This is episode number 56, in which I explore with Ole Daman, owner of the KFGN Group in Germany, the hot topic of clinical trial management. The KFGN Group is a group of six clinical trials in Germany, and after joining Pratia, they also can access the clinical trial network in Eastern Europe. Ole Daman is one of the best clinical trial experts in the life science get together community and that's why i'm very happy to have him on this episode to answer crucial questions about how clinical trials are conducted ole is currently working on the digitalization and development of new business models in the life science industry in this episode we will talk about topics like Business models in the life science industry, clinical trial management, changes in the business world in the last three decades, digital health revolution, and much more. Enjoy the show. Welcome to a new episode of the Beginner's Mind podcast um, from the Life Science Gets Together community. Today, I want to talk about um, a topic that became very famous in the last year, and I'm always a little bit smiling because before March 2020, almost nobody in my uh, circle of friends and family um, was very much interested in clinical development. All changed with the pandemic. And uh, I think it's a good development that people get more and more interested in the topic of how drugs are developed, how medical devices are coming to the market. And I found in conversations with friends that uh, the details and the background about clinical trials and how that work and how that happened, what people conduct and organize clinical trials, what organizations are involved, and um, how all that evolved and developed over the last 20 years, that all this know-how uh, is more or less not existent. So I thought it's a great idea to invite people from the Life Science Get Together community to a podcast episode and talk about clinical development, especially about the organizational matters. And I'm very happy to welcome today from Germany, Ole Daman. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Ole, how is life today or these days in Germany? Well, it's uh, it's getting more and more back to normal. Uh, there are still some restrictions, I think, as in other uh, European countries. Um, um, we were also heavily affected by the pandemic, but uh, it's also surprising, uh, surprising or good to see how how quick it's going back to normal again. And to some things, uh, you got or already used and. Um, and you probably don't mind uh, carrying a, a mask uh, has been something uh, two years ago, which I would more see in the Japanese and Asian world. And now it's a new normal in, Ger in, 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 uh, in, in Germany and in Europe as well. But um, yeah, that's the way. I, I think that's the way you, the human beings are acting that you quickly adapt to to new changes and that has happened but it all all in all it's it's going quite good in germany and uh, i'm having the feeling also uh, not only the society but also the economy is recovering now and it's slowly getting back to normal that's that's very good so here also the elections in germany are uh, i think already over did, did anything significant change in your opinion 
Well, I think uh, in, uh, my my expectations towards uh, the new government, and they are currently discussing uh, the, the 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 setup for it, is that they will be more progressive towards a new topic, especially towards uh, di- digitalization, but of course also mm. to climate change. And I think uh, when two big parties uh, are working together, it's always uh, about com- making compromises. And that's true. That's okay. Um, but uh, I think, uh, especially now, due to the uh, to the, due to the crisis, uh, uh, along with the with the pandemic, uh, we need some more active and more open mindsets for the topics of 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 the future. I think. Uh, when uh, I think what what was quite obvious through through the pandemic is that uh, we are far behind in certain topics here in Germany and especially in uh, in uh, uh, to in especially about uh, with regard to di- digitalization and uh, I think that's crystal clear now that we have to do something here and uh, there's no way uh, delaying it. That's true. It's good to hear that the new government also has uh, climate change uh, on the agenda. And I hope also that um, you mentioned also digital topics are on the agenda. I know it's one of your special and favorite topics, but let's switch a little bit to uh, to more traditional tasks, uh, clinical development. As far as I remember from a research, your family started uh, with that topic back in the 90s. And what I would be interested in is uh, how did your family have the idea to build an organization in clinical development? Well, that's right. I mean, we have founded the company um, in 1995 and it was founded by, by my father. And my father used to work as a physician in, in a hospital and leading a hospital. And uh, one one of his tasks or one of uh, one things which which he he did on top on the regular care was uh, doing clinical research and during the increasing uh, complexity and also reg- uh, more regulations coming in place um, uh, in, in the nineties he, he just saw that uh, if you want to do um, uh, clinical research professionally if you want to stick to all the the existing regulations and GCP norms. It's hard to do it on on top to your regular stuff. So you have to focus on on uh, on on clinical research only, and do it uh, as a as your main job. And that was the initial idea uh, why KFGN was was founded, Klinische uh, Forschungsgruppe Nord. Uh, so it was uh, founded in the north of Germany in, in Hamburg, mm-hmm. and uh, expanded um, across. Um, Uh, across uh, Germany. Hamburg is quite famous in life science. I think also Evotech is uh, is located in in your hometown. And I read that uh, you expanded also even further recently also to Eastern Europe. Can you talk a little bit more about, uh, give a little bit more background to that? Yes, uh, that was something which we initiated far before uh, in 2020, so far before the pandemic, uh, was the idea that we need to have a great, uh, um, larger setup um, mm-hmm. in, for the future. 
And coming back to my favorite topic, uh, uh, digitalization, in our opinion, will change uh, the business uh, dramatically. And to get ready for it, we were looking for, for a strategic partner and we were happy to found this strategic partner with Pratia. And together with Pratia, we are now a site network, not only in Germany, but also in Poland, uh, Bulgaria, Czech Republic, Ukraine and, uh, and Spain. So uh, altogether, ninety sites. Um, all the all the nice countries of Europe. <laughs> all the nice uh, all the nice uh, countries of Europe, and um, especially if you look at Poland, uh, Poland has during the last ten to fifteen or twenty years, I have to say, it, they made a, a marvelous uh, development, and are lots of uh, digital startups are also coming from Poland. So. They're really pushing it and uh, it's great to have them as a partner with us. I'm curious, you started your collaboration, I think right before the pandemic and then slipped directly into it. How, how was collaboration uh, with new partners during the pandemic? I think uh, traveling was restricted most of the time, but as far as I understand the uh, pharma industry, the clinical trials continued. Uh, how was the organization in those days? Well, uh, first, uh, the, so at the beginning uh, in, in March, it was like con completely in, working in a crisis mode uh, with uh, nearly daily meetings. How we can react to it? Are we ready for a shutdown? What does it mean? Also in terms of IT infrastructure, how can we uh, find quick solutions? Because it was clear that the government will uh, declare some severe me measures, uh, including also um, um, Uh, first uh, lockdown so mm -hmm. that was kind of for us uh, quite a turbulent uh, period um, and together with our Polish uh, partner it was really I wouldn't say a nightmare but it completely changed it right we when we were thinking uh, 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 working together it was more okay we will come to Poland see what they are working on how do we can learn from each other and the other way around so really looking at this potential synergies which was kind of limited uh, through through uh, through uh, web meetings but uh, slowly and surely you, you got used to it and uh, the personal meetings of course were reduced to, to a minimum and uh, we all know what we, we what we are missing uh, with 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 non personal meetings um, it's good to see that uh, it's also that is going back back to normal And for, for us as KFGN, for our site, it was really what kind of measurements do we have to take. And nowadays, I would say, and don't get me wrong here, you are more relaxed on this and uh, understand better what, what, what is necessary to do and what might be too much. In the beginning, it was hard to find the right balance. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I remember also last year well when everything was shut down from one day of the other. And I think um, a lot of measures, I think, are good when they are staying. So it's like uh, wearing face masks when people are sick. And also the digitalization, um, I believe, is a blessing to human society that, uh, how should I call it? I think it was a... a A huge leap. It was. It feels to me sometimes like putting two decade, decades into one year or one decade into 
half a year. Uh, your company started in 1995, and 1995 was the time when I um, experienced the first time the what should I say the pleasures of uh, being connected to the world with an email address. It was 1994, 1995, and digitalization was pretty young back then. So digitalization was basically a computer on a desk, and uh, or maybe a computer at home. How were clinical trials back in those days when your family started uh, uh, the your business uh, in regards to documentation and collaboration? It might be shocking now, but uh it's more or less it's 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 not that far away as we are doing it right now right um what's the far, doing, what, was was clinical trials so far advanced in 1995 or um, are they a little bit lacking behind in terms of digitalization stay with us we'll be right back you love listening to podcasts but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast maybe you want to build a brand grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Yeah, it would be a lie if I would say they were so advanced and this is the only like uh, place where everything, uh, where where we were so far mm -hmm. in front of, of all the others. No, it's actually the other way. They were, they were, they were, the way, other way around. Um, it's really, um, I think it's due to, to the regulations, due, due to the rec requirements you have to, 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 to meet and you have to address, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, heavily involves documentation and, uh, and documentation right now means, um, also documentation, which can be monitored is kind of accountable and uh for that reason it's still uh, paper based uh it used to be paper based but uh it might uh, be might be um um might be not intuitive but we try to to at least in this this kind of framework we try to professionalize it uh, standardize it already so I think we have already a good basis now to put it in a more to digitize it and uh, and, and uh, implement it in, in in a software solution. But um, yeah, it's it's re it's 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 paper based to to the extent until someone manually puts into the data and ECIFs. And what has changed uh, during the years? Uh, we are now asked to uh, put the data non, not only in one, sorry, I was using the term ECIF and someone who is not from the industry might ask herself, um, what is ECIF? ECIF is basically a database where you feed into the data uh, for the industry, for a sponsor, a sponsor is a pharma company, a medtech company, or nowadays also a digital health startup um, and you feed into the data and this data can then be statistically analyzed by 
by either the spo uh, the the sponsor directly or by someone helping the sponsor to to uh, to, to do so. So it's it's going to be uh, um, it's going to so you basically um, structure the data in a digital way for for the client. And nowadays we are not uh, putting the data in one one database and one ECF, but in four different kinds of ECF. And you have to manually refer make references manually in the sense you have to refer to special dates and dates have to be entered manually in another database. So that's the the change. And the other change is, of course, we we are more using um um. um Questionnaires, uh, but tablets as a, uh, not 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 paper based questionnaires, but on, on a tablet. Hmm. But from the user experiences, awful devices. Uh, they often break down. It's it's just a pain in uh, using them as a doctor, but also as a patient. But these are the changes. Uh, what I would say is that um, it started uh, really basic paper-based towards one database and now it's paper-based to multiple databases and um, and we also have already some 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 apps in, in, in or some devices in place which feed uh, the data directly to the ECF that that's uh, the first innovation part here maybe in, in the industry. Sounds good in terms of job creation when you have to feed four databases manually. Uh, and I think there is a huge room for innovation for startup companies to streamline the process and support. I think maybe in the United States, Palantir is one of the companies that is working on solutions for managing big data. And as far as I understand clinical trial, it's more or less a topic of big data of getting it collected. Is that right? the right understanding? That's that's the right understanding. It's also fascinating to see uh, what kind of different companies come up with new, new ideas. It's also, from a European perspective, crazy to see how 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 well funded they are. And mm -hmm. I think the smaller ones receive two-digit million fundings, but the bigger ones three-digit million fundings. So you have already in that field in, in the US. Unicorns, uh, which getting back big, bigger and bigger, and they will change the the landscape of the traditional landscape of of, of clinical research. Um, it's not. It's also that some 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 companies will. There are also European companies uh, going into the direction, but I would say more based on the startup uh, level, far away from from. Uh, Uh, there are um, American role models or uh, um, reference points. Um, we as a network are also working on a, a solution because we think a solution which should help here in the for clinical research must incorporate the experiences um, how to do a clinical, how to run a clinical trial and how also how to um, And also the experience you have with the patient, and that's what I see if I look at a certain solution which which is uh, which is missing. But it's uh, it's fascinating to see how it will change the industry and the business models behind it. Yeah, this is um, I think one point where Europe lags still behind the US in terms of funding. So it's um, 
Good to hear that you have the same perception. Um, my opinion, Europe is a great place to start a company, but um, those who are striving for disrupting an industry at a certain point in their development need to move to the United States because I think uh, these large funding rounds uh, moving to the United States in terms of finding investors there. So also Peter Thiel, uh, I heard, invest in a Viennese company in Vienna uh, lately, so they must not necessarily remove physical but at least uh, expand their search for investors there. In Europe, we have a huge gap still in funding, in my opinion. How do you see it? Well, I see it uh, the, the same way um, as, as you. Um, I, I see an additional point here, especially with additional health um, business models. Um, I have sometimes the feeling that... Uh, um, European investors are lacking a little bit um, of knowledge or of education um, because digital is more something for more, more something for uh, VCs coming from e-commerce, uh, um, uh, the digital finance industry, but not uh, from the medtech biotech. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, with a medtech biotech um, uh, background, and I think that's. Uh, that's missing and there is a missing understanding, especially um, that click rates are not the currency here, but really offering uh, a true and also validated solution to the patient, which helps the patient to uh, cope with uh, th their disease, diseases. And that's, uh, that's a different perspective. And um, I'm not sure whether... I mean, it, it helps if someone else from another industry is looking at you and can give you some more new new ideas. That's that's for sure. But um, sometimes I see some some uh, uh, this also as a disadvantage because um, it's. Uh, I think that, that some of the ideas are not uh, not um, evaluated in the right way. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Yeah, I think this is the special challenge that the pharma industry has, so, so medical device industry, that... Um, the minute a patient is involved, especially in clinical trials, it's a heavily regulated area that needs a lot of different skill sets that are coming together. And I think still traditionally, uh, IT information technology has not played a major role in the past in the pharma industry. Uh, when I think back, I think the, in my opinion, the pharma industry started somewhere in 1850, 1860, when this industrialization uh was in full swing and uh, digitalization started in 1995 and as you said mostly with consumer-oriented solutions and bringing that together in a company 
um, with investors who uh, understand both worlds, the pharma industry and digital industry is, I think, a matter of skill set. And it's very rare. I, I still find it's very rare. That's my, my perception here as well. When we talk about the, the history of the pharma industry, what I'm curious about is uh, your family business. Um, in another podcast with uh, a colleague from uh, uh, chemistry of Staros, uh, we were discussing about the 90s. And uh, that basically in the 90s, when it comes to early stage uh, research and development, most of the functions were integrated in the pharma industry. And he founded his company in 1998 and in a, in a time when it seemed to be a very interesting move to do something that big corporations are doing and uh, offer them outsourced services. And I always wondered how the, how the life was in clinical trials um, in the 90s. Wasn't Pharma tempted also to organize everything in-house? You said your father founded the company in 1995, and I'm pretty much pretty sure that uh, he needed customers as a business. And was it was it difficult to sell that story to the industry, or was there an open gap that you filled? Maybe um, I, I need to explain a little better what what we are explicitly doing because. Mm -hmm. When I also talking with people about KFGN about Pratia, we often are perceived as a or seen as a as a CRO or as a clinical research organization doing the project management for for clinical research, and that's something which we are not not true not really doing. In some cases, we do it to some extent, but really limited ones. What we are doing is we we are conducting the trials. That means we receive a protocol with uh, the relevant endpoints, which by which uh, the effectiveness of a trial uh, of a new drug should be measured, and we we are collecting the data. So we have we we try to find the patients for the project. We try we have our own doctors doing the the medical investigations, doing the amnesis enrolling the patients and uh, throughout the course of a trial we are we are collecting the data document do the data documentation and as i said putting it in, into the databases <laughs> annually so that's basically our job and this part hasn't hasn't been done uh, by 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 the by the um, um Farmer industry for for various reasons. One reason is uh, you can't collect your data, and at the same time um, analyze the data, and at the same time then hand in the analysis to to uh, to uh, to the regulatory bodies. There's some 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 uh, theoretically it's possible, but uh, I pretty sure that this kind of uh, process uh, approach would would be um, seen as uh, as problematic and and non 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 compliant to 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 the standards which were set by regulatory bodies but also by the medical um, the medical uh, field so so we stepped in with a with a service offering which from our point of view, the industry was looking for a company who was able to, to, uh, to find patients in a short time of period and uh, at the same time uh, delivering 
high high quality and uh, providing high high quality data to the sponsor. And um, going back to to the original setup of my father in the in the hospital, we do it on top, and it's hard to 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 look for the patient to find for the patient because it takes time. It's not like oh this patient is eligible. No, you have to do a consent with the patient, inform the patient about the project. Mm -hmm. it will take you at least 10, 10, 10 minutes up to thirty minutes. And 30 minutes um, doctor's time in a normal running uh, uh, hospital is just uh, quite a lot of time. And uh, there we stepped in with uh, professional uh, clinical research sites. And um, so for us, it wasn't really a problem that uh, the industry was integrating uh, parts of the, the project management um, um, internally in-house because that was more something which was hurting the CROs than actually us. So our our customers are CROs and sponsors at mm. the same time. So pharma companies, medtech companies, and we see it often. It's it's like there's always a phase where pharma is doing more stuff internally, then they decide, oh, that's not efficient. Let's do it externally, and then the, the it's going back. Now we are more back to us let's do it internally again but uh, that's only changes the names who are who we are talking with <laughs> sounds like swing trading on the stock market so do it uh, one day this time and another time uh just trying out things it sounds to me that um uh in the 90s i got the impression that uh clinical trials were done in a way that uh doctors did it additionally to their normal work in the clinic and the innovation that your family found was uh, professionalizing uh, clinical trials and uh, outsource it or take it away from uh, the clinical day-to-day -day life. I very rarely hear that doctors are bored and have a few hours uh, time to waste and don't know what they're doing. So you took uh, this clinical trial management and put it in your own sites and separated the day-to-day -day life with patients from uh professional clinical trial management did they get the right impression yes we we we, we what we do what we did is we just uh we we set up in, in germany uh sites and we can you can think of a site as a private practice and the people are coming to us to take part in a in in in, in, a, in a trial and uh to get actually access to a new therapy so we have often have chronic pa patient with a chronic disease actively looking for new therapies and this is a kind of offer we can make to them clearly they are randomized um uh, placebo controlled so if they are unlucky they are in the placebo arm but in general we are offering new uh, therapies to to the patients and we took the whole the whole uh, staff out of the regular care and uh, units and put it into a, in, into our sites. So it was also finding the patients, um, doing the administrative work in sense of in, in terms of documentation of the data, uh, um, collecting the data through through our physicians. So everything is has been taken out of the clinic to our site setup, dedicated site setup. That's what we, we are actually doing. I started in the farm industry in 2006 and um, I had the impression back in those days, I just simplified, um, that uh, 
about 10 to 20 years earlier, the trend was finding a cure for, um, or finding a drug that cures at best many conditions, many different conditions, uh, putting it very bluntly. And then I think in uh, the 2010 years, uh, the trend uh, went in a different direction. It's more towards personalized medicine and uh, more towards uh, diagnosing proper diseases and uh, narrowing down the patient groups with a more personalized approach. I always wondered if on one hand, my perception is right. And on the other hand, what the implications are for clinical service organizations like yours. Um, I mean, it, doesn't your life become more complex? Complex, more challenging, but maybe also more interesting. Uh, that's all, there are always up um, pros and cons of certain developments, but you're right that that's, that's the development we, we see as a, as a side network as well. In the, in the 19s, we had a lot of huge, big blockbuster trials uh, where the, the patient population was uh, not specified, but not so specified that they were hard to find. And that mm -hmm. has changed uh, constantly over the years. We are looking more for the one patient, so patients with 30 include which have to uh, who have to meet uh, 30 inclusion criteria uh, criteria and 40 exclusion criteria so it's getting really re so we are really looking for a very very specific uh, group of patients and that goes into this direction which you were mentioning uh, looking cures uh, and uh, for for specific subgroups and and going more towards a more personalized approach than it has been in in, in the past and for us, the biggest challenge is then to find to find the patient and also to to allow the patient to take part in the trial, uh, because these patients normally for these patients normally the standard therapy doesn't really work, so they they are, they have a medical need here, but. Um, Often cases, uh, it's uh, it's for them getting to our sites is 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 a commitment and uh, an effort uh, they have to make, and uh, so we try to reduce the the burden uh, as much as possible. Um, but it's uh, it's uh, it has it it limits, and um, so for us, it's it's hard to find the patients. Uh, we need to find also a way that patients which allows patients to take part in it. And of course, it involves far more investigations, far more ratings our medical staff has to make than compared to the, the easier trials in, in, in the 90s. And that's why mm. also to some extent uh, the, the, the cost, that's just one reason, but one reason why the costs have constantly, uh, in, are constantly increasing uh, for for the development of new new medicals uh, new, new medicine new drugs uh, new 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 medical uh, products yeah i think the the amount that is published in the statistics went up from about 1 billion dollars in um, late 90s early 2000s um the latest figure i heard on the upper end was uh, in 2021 3 billion for bringing one drug from Let's call it also bluntly the academic lab bench uh, to the patient. And 
I always wondered what that means in terms of logistics. I mean, when I imagine, for example, the standard phase one trial, healthy volunteers uh, with a few safety endpoints. Um, I live in Vienna and we have, uh, I think, a population that Vienna covers of uh, in Vienna about 2 million inhabitants. And when I also include uh, the outskirts that are in Lower Austria, we have probably 2.5 million people. Finding 20 or 30 or 40 healthy volunteers in that area that are willing to support the development of a new drug is a mission that's possible. Uh, but also in the phase one trials, I saw a trend, especially driven by investors, in my opinion, that they also want to have first efficacy endpoints. And when I look then at the setup of the companies, where very often see that they are investigating in rare diseases, often diseases, often drugs, and uh, with uh, patient population all over Europe that is very, very minimal, uh, I think the 2.5 million uh, area of Vienna is uh, it's not possible to provide all patients needed for a trial. And how does it work in practice these days when you're doing trials for rare diseases? How do you find the patients and how difficult is the logistics to organize uh, to get the patients to the sites? What innovations are there in that area? Um, basically, um, what what we try for rare di diseases that uh, we try to cooperate with, with uh, patient advocacy groups, and that's one thing. And uh, the other thing also with uh, with uh, specialized uh, practices um, uh, who, where physicians, doctors see that uh, this is an alternative therapy for for the patient, and it has a a value and uh, advantage for 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 them. So that's the way we try to find uh, the patient. Uh, we so we often use uh, we often start with a general uh, marketing approach based on social media, but then we narrow the the funnel more and more down. And working with advocacy groups are is often case the right way to find the patient, but also to inform the patient and show them what kind of benefits might in there, what is new about this approach, what are potential risks, and uh, really inform them what, what, that, uh, what that means. And also um, building up right at the beginning a certain trust relationship and um, the patient should have a good understanding of, of, the, of the project. In terms of logistics, um, these patients have a medical need and often in case it's a, quite a strong one. So, so they are willing from their side to, to, uh, to travel and, uh, and um, do some investments in time and, uh, and also uh, traveling throughout the country. That's something which we've seen a lot in the past. We try in some cases to visit them home base or do some home visits to 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 reduce the burden for them. And I think in the future we will more and more try to to do it uh, in a remote way and DCTs way. Uh, sorry, DCT stands for decentralized clinical trials. So using IT platforms to reach out to these kind of patients and limit. The, the visits as far as much as possible 
because it really is um, uh, tough for them to 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 come to the sites and uh, and uh, take a day off or something to to be part of of a trial. And Sounds to logistic behind it. Sounds to me that working uh, reverting the process so ninety um, cents to thousands were bringing the patients to the sites. And now with the new digital possibilities, it's uh, the other way around. Uh, got the impression from what you said right now, uh, bringing the site to the patient. Can it be seen in that way, or is it a little bit too, let's say, interpreted from my end? Too much interpretation. No, I, I'm, 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 I'm. You, you are right here. Uh, I might go uh, even a step further. Uh, the center of data collection will be transferred from the from the traditional uh, conventional site to the patient herself mm-hmm. through well through wearables uh, through smart diagnostics uh, which can be easily used by the patient at home and together with remote visits uh, by by the physician uh, come up with the same quality of data as it was the case in uh, in the conventional setup and uh, people often arguing okay if it's all remote uh, that uh, puts the patient at risk at, da- at danger but i don't see it that way i see it completely the different way around ra- because uh, we are now able to collect uh, data from the patient through certain devices 24 7 having 24 7 contact to the patient which is complete, which is nowadays not the case. It's more like you have your first visit, you have a second visit, then you have at least three weeks mm-hmm. or sometimes four weeks between the next visit, do some phone calls between it. But it's not as close as it would be if you have also data from the, um, constantly data from the, um, from the patients between remote visits or physical visits. So that's uh, going to change. Uh, so data collection will be done in the future by by the patient, and that's obviously changing our role in the in the in the in the for clinical trials in the in the future. That's a very interesting uh, comment that you made. I always wondered uh, the wearable industry. I have the Apple Watch here. Uh, where's the camera here? <laughs> and uh, I think um, twenty years ago. When I get my pulse or blood pressure checked, uh, was maybe best five every five once every five years. And what I'm reading now uh, on the internet, uh, the direction in which Apple and also I think Google works is that they integrate uh, all standard measurements in the variables, like blood sugar measurements. Uh, pulse measurement, um, uh, blood pressure measurement. There are also devices in development. And uh, is that the direction that you think it's going, that uh, you give a set of variables to your patients and that you are able to collect much more data through the trial so that you get a a more complete picture? Is that... uh, the, the future of clinical trials that's that's how i I'm, I'm seeing it but it's uh, even uh, um, uh, even uh, due to the changes which have been made to, to due to covid 19 uh, uh, it will still take take a while because um, i think it completely changes also the way we are doing medicine today 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not only something which will change uh, clinical research, but in general, uh, the way we are doing uh, uh, medicine. But that that's my perception how clinical trials will do will be done in in, in the future uh, most people are just thinking about okay there's there's going to be a, a apple watch and the apple watch will be uh, <laughs> uh, like my heart rates right which and uh, these are so unprecise measurements uh, how can we use them um but that's not the point. It's the point, uh, as you said, uh, it's not only the heart rate, it's also the blood uh, blood sugar uh, measurements, uh, um, other um, maybe also uh, um, some some other measurements about oxygen and, and, and blood oxygen and so forth. So it's going to be the triangulations of ver- various kinds of data sources and that that is actually which uh, makes these kind of devices much more po- po- powerful than uh, traditional diagnostics. So um, I think right now people have a too much oversimplified uh, idea about uh, wearables and how they can use in, in clinical research and maybe also in, 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 in medicine in general. I mean, when I think about my personal life in, uh, I like running, for example, and, uh, I think as a man, I also like statistics. So I get so much data collected by variables already. And there is, uh, every year there is a new invention. I think, uh, Facebook and Apple and also Google are now working on augmented and virtual reality classes. So, uh, I think the possibility to tracking eye movements, for example, when you, when people take drugs, what impact does that have on, on, on site? Or a friend of mine is uh, working uh, in a company that uh, helps uh, people understand how their movement change in certain conditions when they are walking or when they are running, uh, which also collects uh, data at scale. And I think the possibilities for physicians must become uh, really wonderful in the future to get not one readout, as you said, or two readouts, but to get constant readouts. So this, uh, and, and you will be basically one of the organizations that organizes that. We, and we will, we, we try also to be one of the organizations doing the validation for it mm-hmm. because, um, um, I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, you have a wearable for for running. I, I had uh, I had also one of the the, the watches. It's, and you, you see the data and you see some results, and uh, you don't know how to interpret them, and you don't know how reliable they, they are. And um, and I think uh, if they should uh, guide my my behavior, I should be uh, able to understand them and uh, to truly rely on them. And uh, that's why um, validation is, uh, is is important, but maybe validation must be uh, uh, looked at a more broader scale because, as I said, it's not only about the the how reliable the the data measure the measurement is, but also uh, can does the patient understand the data, and that must uh, be validated to some extent um, as well, and so it's going to be um, different aspects of validations in 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 the, in the future and i just can tell from my point i was sometimes a little bit over overwhelmed or confused uh of the data and that stopped me actually 
to using it <laughs> because I didn't know what it is. I mean, I've seen the sleep profiles with long hours and short hours and they just didn't understood what, what it means. Is it bad or is it good? And I said, okay, as I don't know it, I don't use it for, for, for time. That's not a really tech savvy approach. And uh, I shouldn't have said that because uh, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, looking for for uh, uh, future developments here, but I think that's also usual. Might be an average op uh, reaction um, of of people, and that needs to be uh, taken into account as well. I think it must not always. I mean, talking about business, it must not always be the the big solutions or great solutions. Uh, sometimes it's uh, simple solutions that have a, a tremendous impact. One of the trends that I observe since the pandemic started is that more and more people get interested in generally in health and drug development and pharma. And uh, I think the average person uh, versus science, there is a huge gap in the way people communicate and also the worlds they live in. And I think one of the great trends is that really both sides make an effort to come closer together. And uh, one side, people who didn't work in science so far, try to understand what the scientists doing. And also on the other hand, uh, scientists start thinking about how can they make their data and their achievements more relatable for people so that it's easier to understand. And I see a few companies arising in that field that uh, simply put an interpretation layer uh, above the data so that they address this problem that you mentioned. Okay, now I have the data, but what should I do with that? What does that mean <laughs> for me? And just a simple solution to, to make the data understandable, I think, can be wonderful businesses. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. That's that's true. I mean, and uh, from our perspective, it's also important because the, um, giving patients access to to a new ther therapy is one thing, but it would be even great better if we could, in addition, offer them something which helps them to manage uh, beyond the trial uh, their their um, their health and maybe also uh, clearly if they agree to it um, give us an access what what happened to the patient after the trial and that's this link is often missing and uh, that would be uh, in terms of real world data um, a, a perfect um, a perfect way of us in the future to to run trials and that only works from my point of view if there is something which can offer to the patient and is a true value to the patient. I mean, the, the topics that we were discussing in terms of the digital world is basically how I standardized this uh, 
this world, uh, in my mind, it's uh, one hand, we have the problem of uh, data collection. On the other hand, we have to solve the problem of uh, data storage. Um, the bigger the data, the, the more challenging it becomes to store it. Then the next layer, if, as far as I remember, is uh, data interpretation. So that we uh, visualization, interpretation, that we draw the right conclusions. And this is the conclusions are then the endpoints, uh, transforming data into information and then in, uh, I would say, in know-how and knowledge. And uh, I always thought that the digital revolution in uh, the pharma industry is revolving around these topics, so data collection and making it more understandable and relatable. And then I heard the term digital therapeutics. And I thought, is it really possible that uh, an app can be a therapeutic? Uh, did you have with your company uh, also clinical trials in that field? Or did you hear anything about that? Or was it just uh, something that I heard? Well, basically, uh, your, your question, did we have any trials in that direction um, already? Uh, no, we, we didn't. But we have been in contact with many uh, um, uh, companies who who think about themselves as what you're saying, a digital therapeutic um, uh, provider. So um, we were we were discussing with them the the, the ideas. Um, that was th these kind of discussions started uh, with the beginning of 2019, and at this time, my 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 feeling was that these kind of companies. Understand they want to be a med they want to have a medical pro product, but uh, they they thought validating the the product will be done on the run uh, through the through the users themselves. And uh, so often we had good discussions, but uh, at the end we we were we, we were separating each other, and uh, the other one was saying, "Okay, I do it." Uh, on the run and with my users and we said okay we give them some advices but obviously they are looking for another approach this has changed now from my perspective and we uh, we have the current discussions are totally different and it's really the question um, how can we show that these kind of products are in some instances as good as traditional uh, therapeutics such as um, uh, drugs or medical devices or um, uh, trainings and and so forth. In which uh, areas do you see such approaches that uh, people work on digital solutions as a therapeutic? Is it uh, mental health, for example, or are there also other other indications? I I, I clearly see some fo uh, in, in a focus on on mental health. Mm -hmm. That's 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 true. Like working on uh, depression, anxiety uh, conditions. Um, there I see a lot of examples. Some some of them go even even uh, even further. Uh, but then the question is: Is it still a digital product, or is it a mix between a digital and a physical product, or? Am I using an iPhone as a as a as a medical device? So uh, that's that the question. And yeah, if you are making a picture of of the eye, you was you were mentioning it mm -hmm. uh, and uh, drawing some conclusions out of it, and then giving uh, some therapeutic um, 
um, the um, recommendations towards uh, the customer that's that's questionable is that uh, then what is digital where where is it digital or where is it more um, a physical uh, device but in general i see it more in in uh, for for mental health conditions yeah there's a lot going on in this field also i think uh, another interesting field that uh, i hear a lot in podcasts is longevity uh, did you see in your area trials uh, in that space here in Europe, or is it just uh, a topic that uh, is happening uh, on the east and the west coast of the United States? You mean abroad approaches to to prolong uh, our 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 lives and uh, in the best case make it as long as, as endlessly. So. <laughs> Well, no, we haven't been approached by any companies like this. Um, I always have my problems how we can help these kind of uh, um, 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 companies because it will be a very, very long study. Um, <laughs> 200 <laughs> years. The final endpoint is uh, obviously did someone die earlier or not? And that's that's going to make it um to quite a long study maybe i i i'm just thinking in this kind of conventional narrowed mm -hmm. uh, uh, way of thinking or setup uh, maybe i need to rethink it a bit at this point but if you if i look with my current uh, current perspective on it it's for me hard to understand how to to validate these kind of um, uh, approaches When you you mentioned in the discussion a little bit earlier that you see uh, larger financing rounds in the United States, and uh, as I saw in your uh, Vita, you also have a background at the Stanford University, so you have spent some time there. And uh, I think the area around Stanford University has become iconic in the last uh, three decades, and a lot of innovation uh, comes out of the area of Palo Alto on the west coast and i think the similar a similar ecosystem is on the east coast in the united states in boston area um how do you see the similarities and differences between the ecosystem that uh, is located uh, around the stanford university compared to the european ones mm. um Well, first of all, maybe I'm do not have the right background to have some European uh, experiences here because I'm, I'm trained in business administration, so I don't don't know how 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 it is uh, at least from a personal experiences uh, if you do engineering and how uh, the ecosystem around um, um, around the uni university looks like. Um, I think what what I do experience in, in at Stanford was uh, this approach. Uh, uh, let let's make it happen, and nothing is, uh, is, is 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 impossible. And it's not that I your theor theorize uh, you make you come up with a huge theory before you start with with your idea. And the other thing is this true business sense, which is often lacking. Even in at the universities um, in, in 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 Stanford, there's a true um, sense for business, which uh, I think is the difference. And and if you look at the 
German. This I I know that's uh, uh, it's oversimplifying it, but if you look at um, the German professor working on on, on new topics on new technologies, I think they are more. Um, um, for them, it's the beauty of uh, the development and what you can do with it. Uh, but in, in Stanford, you have a, also a true business uh, sense, and people are quite open and people mm. are quite quite direct in the way they challenge your ideas. And that's uh, something which is different to uh, in comparison to Europe, that you uh, challenge the, the people. And uh, in Germany, at least from my experiences, it's too much politics involved and you often do not dare because if you do it, uh, maybe one of the other professors will lose their face. And uh, so you don't do it, at least not in, in front of an audience. And that's completely other in, in completely other story in, in the US. If you if if they do not challenge you, your idea is so so bad that it's not worse to challenge. <laughs> so that, that's the thing. And I think that's a that's driving mm -hmm. innovations. Uh, and if 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 you you have this kind of uh, approach. It's changing now. And if you look at the um, in Munich with uh, the TUM uh, Technical University mm -hmm. of uh, of Munich where they are really professionalizing their 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 their, their campus and uh, the innovation environment around it uh, they they are just received the funding by by um, the um i forgot the family name by by the investors of Bi biontech um mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, Strungmann, right? Uh, Strungmann, uh, they, 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 so they, they, they are now funding it, and I think that's a great wide way uh, to go, and it's uh, great to see that the personalities as as the Strungmanns are supporting it. Yeah, that's a great move. That's a great move. You mentioned uh, true sense of business. I'm curious, what, in your opinion, uh, is a true sense of business? I give you an example. I'm also in advocacy groups for 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 decentralized clinical trials, and when when I I am involved in this, I'm really fascinating about what is possible. So I'm curious to exchange ideas. Of what what can we do? Uh, how does it make it, uh, clinical trials? Uh, how how are they easier for for patients? How do we get better access to the patients? So, I'm kind of fascinated by this and exchanging ideas on, on this. If I look at the, these advocacy groups where American colleagues are involved, they are often saying, okay, it's great, but it, it causes a lot of extra work for us and that needs to be paid. So the main, the main topic about the discussion if they, the American colleagues are involved is who is going to pay for it? And, uh, and not uh, what is possible by, by the uh, approaches. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's different um, um, uh, in, in Europe and the, uh, the US. It's they are directly asking the question, what's in for me? And uh, Europe, at least, maybe I'm, ex I'm not the <laughs> best example. but Yeah, uh, it's the most avoided question. I also think that uh, uh, who's paying for what, yeah. what's the value? What's the value? And that's that's that's. I think that's a good example uh, uh, where the differences are. I think all all big innovations of the last 20 years uh, came from that area. In my opinion, Apple. I think um, Google is in that area, as far as I remember. 
let's say, um, I don't know, Tesla, Elon Musk. Uh, Tesla is also in? Uh, next to it, uh, Facebook. Uh, so, Facebook. yeah. So there must be there must be a reason. I mean, Palo Alto Networks is more on cybersecurity uh, area. They have it in the name already, uh, and many other inventions. So there must be something special in the mindset uh, uh, there that is different to to other hubs. It's kind of a reinforcing system uh, because it attracts attracts the future bright minds uh, to to this environment and. Uh, Uh, I, and I'm pretty sure that uh, not the if you talk about digital models, data models, that mm. uh, the first question will be not on GDPR issues. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Whereas in Germany or in Europe, that would be at least uh, you can bet on this the second or the third question uh, if it's not the first one. And uh, I think that creates an environment uh, where you just would like to uh, explore new things and advantages. Um, if we are talking about the greatest innovations um, nowadays, um, I would say that one of the greatest innovations is the mRNA technology, which has been also which which has been mainly driven now by by BioNTech mm -hmm. and financed by. Uh... Bavarian entrepreneurs, as far as I remember, but the IPO then happened on the Nasdaq. So, uh, not in Europe anymore. This is, and I think also the distribution, uh, Pfizer made a lot possible uh, for BioNTech. Interestingly, also an American company. And I mean, it resonates with me because very often when I do things, GDPR is very high on the list. And questions around um, who's the customer and uh, what is the value that we bring and what is the value that we get out of it? And does it match or does it match up or is there really a need uh, lower ranked than GDPR? So it's uh, room for improvement, I would say, on in our continent. Well, that's true. But, um, but um, there are also advantages and I think... Um, um, what um, the industry likes about uh, uh, Germany if, when it comes to clinical research is um, high quality mm. or um, high reliability um, towards uh, patient numbers. They might be not the highest one, but you can rely on them more than uh, uh, what you receive from other countries. And um, Clearly, if you are in Germany, uh, it's also one of the biggest markets in, in, in Europe. And that probably uh, is another reason why why um, Germany is um, it's a favorable market for, for the industry to do their projects. I think the great move you made recently with your uh, collaboration is that you start uniting uh, sites all over Europe. I think this is a, a huge step forward. Uh, to integrate also the ecosystem. I think integration works best when people work together. And let me open one final topic uh, in this podcast. It's the question, um, I mean, I've, most of the time in the last 16 years, I worked with early stage companies. So companies that uh, were located in the area from, uh, let's say, tech transfer, early stage research and development, uh, right after the university, up to clinical phase two. And uh, the question is always in the initial company setup, when is the right time 
to involve clinical experts in the corporate development? Should a um, company um, get this expertise on board as early as possible? Or is it enough to wait until, um, let's say, the first preclinical candidate is close to IND stage so that we then start thinking about the setup of uh, clinical trials? I heard both theories, so and both theories have some pros and cons. I would be interested in hearing your opinion, what your recommendation is to early stage companies that are in drug development and want to bring a drug as fast as possible to patients. Uh, when is the right time to approach an organization like you, like yours? <laughs> Well, uh, I think uh, um, I can understand why why um, um, companies um, are avoiding it to to incorporate external partners at the early stage. Um, you are working on something uh, on a new approach. Um, you want to protect this uh, to some ex extent, and that's totally understandable uh, for me. I think if you include us as a partner earlier, uh, without giving us all the details, that's not necessary. But if you include us, you will see um, what is actually possible in terms of um, uh, validating this, this new approach in, 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 within a patient population. So it doesn't help you if you come up with it's really hard if you come up with with a, an approach with a solution where it's super hard to find a, a a patient for it will delay your process for for years so the question is can we can we uh, look for an, an effect uh, effectivity in in, in in other patient uh, groups um question would be also Maybe you will see in certain uh, populations greater effects than in, than than in others. So you you should be aware of it. For which kind of patients are you developing a new new therapy? And um, and um, sometimes it's better to to narrow it down a little bit more to 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 show more uh, greater effectiveness, but also um, maybe going a different path because it's easier to find the patients for validation. And these kind of discussions, if we step in at a very uh, late stage. It's hard to react. We just can tell you, well, it's going to be tough, and we will try everything to 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 do it for you. Uh, but uh, that's one thing. The other thing is, if we are if if we are in the loop earlier, we can proactively build up the patient population you are looking for. Mm -hmm. And uh, clearly, it's hard for us to find a patient in in in, in a given uh, set of months or maybe also in a given set of a year. Mm. But if we have more time for it, we can uh, build it up uh, more proactively in advance to your to your trial and also give you first ideas um, about the patient herself and uh, feed in also the, 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 the medical data of the patient to your early stage developments. And that's, I think it's important to know. And uh, it, that can be an, an, an important contribution. And if we know that a company is working on a specific drug for a specific patient population, we can already start to, to uh, find them. And that's, uh, that's only possible in, if we are involved at the early stage. So my suggestion would be 
My perfect idea from a partnership with a customer is, is a strategic one, discussing the, 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 have ongoing discussions and have also ongoing discussions, how we can help them, what we think about it, um, and give some, some input from our side and the other way around. So we can prepare for things. And if we think about decentralized clinical trials, this, uh, uh this, um, requires completely new designs of, of, a, of a, for a project, for a clinical trial project. And um, if we can't, if we get into it, if everything is already, when everything is already set, it's hard for, we can only react. And uh, I, I think um, a site helps you to get the patient perspective, the PI perspective, already in 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 the project project at the beginning and that 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 makes it at the end um, um, more favorable and it will help that the projects will go more smoothly so you're opting also more for an early integration um, in the process development process to exchange ideas and also to get the perspective of uh, clinical reality early into the thinking of the product developers so that there are, I would say, less surprises when the early stage candidate, lead candidate, then evolves into a preclinical candidate and finally in the clinical candidate, that uh, it's not that case that then the company gets the first time the feedback. Maybe it takes 10 years to find your patient population. And uh, when you need to do it in one year, you need to pay a lot of, it's just exaggerated, you need to pay a lot of money. So these are all things that can be avoided when people start talking to you earlier. I'm always surprised uh, about um, um, how much we can improve just due to basic uh, project management uh, approaches. I think there is still uh, a lot of, I mean, we have been talking about digitalization a lot uh, um, during the last uh, uh, minutes, hours, uh, but um, but uh, um, um, I think also just basic project management uh, improvements would uh, would accelerate the process of bringing a new drug or a new product to the market a lot. So there's still too much silos, and uh, uh, and these needs to be more more integrated. Um, sometimes really basic stuff. Uh, I can give you an example. We are we try to initiate a project, and um, uh, the the CRO forgot uh, that we that he he or she didn't uh, supply us with the relevant uh, devices. And then they come to our site and they suddenly find out, oh, I don't have the devices with me. Mm, we need to do it next time. So that these are really stupid examples. But um, if you are more working with each other, reminding each other, what, what do we need to have at hand for a perfect initiation, that would help, help, help a lot. This is just a simple example. I also think communication is key to success. So people should come together more often and exchanging ideas and it helps uh, to gain a better understanding of the entire process. So if you don't mind, I would uh, add your contact data in the description of the podcast so that uh, when people have questions about clinical trials, um, that they can reach out to you. Please do so. And I'm happy to uh, 
get new contacts and expand our discussions with with other people and uh, see what 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 they are currently working on what their challenges are and how how we might help them Ole, thank you very much for this uh, great conversation about uh, some backgrounds in clinical trials, about uh, the challenges and the future and also the history of your company and the clinical trial field. I wish you and your team all the best for your future and uh, let's stay in touch. Yes, thank you very much, Christian. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day.